when I was in Texas in March, I was able to connect with Reverend Rose Brewer, who is our speaker for today. I'd known about Rose and kind of, hi, hello, how are you? Because she was doing great work in our denomination, coming alongside people around the world in a way that made sense. And um, she and her family, she has two boys and um, a great husband, apparently. Yes, uh huh, amazing. And uh, they live in Indianapolis now. They uh, were in Portland. She's from Michigan. And so when we were talking, uh, she said, I'd love to come to Santa Barbara. And I said, Hey, do you want to preach? And so, because uh, I love it when we hear different voices from different places. And so Rose was with us at the Justice Summit. And uh, when we talked, she said, I'll just do whatever you guys are already doing. So she's coming to bring the next uh, part of First Peter. And I'd love for you to welcome Reverend Rose Brewer. Good morning. All right, as I get set up here, sorry, I should have done this earlier. Um, go ahead, turn to the person next to you and say where you were on September 11th, 2001. All right, I can already tell I'm gonna like your congregation. So I'm, um, I've actually been an urban pastor for most of my time and um, I'm actually currently substitute teaching middle schoolers and loving it. Um, so, but I assume if you're not talking back to me, if you're not responding, that you're not listening. So it sounds like we have a talkative group. And for all of you introverts that are going, uh, it's okay. You can just nod or blink a couple times. It's all right. All right. So we are going to talk about being whole and holy and hopeful. So we get the next ch um, chunk of First Peter, and it is um, it is quite the passage. So we're going to zoom through a bunch of it. So this is a picture of the Oregon coast. Um, one funny thing: I'm assuming there's more to this hurricane that's coming. There's, I laughed because um, when we're in drought in Oregon, it's still raining. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting that this is the hurricane and it's not quite raining. <laughs> that would be our two states right there. Um, but this is my happy place. So I took a mini sabbatical this summer and I went to the Oregon coast because the ocean is where I hear God the best. So what a beautiful place you have in Santa Barbara, um, just to hear God the best. And one thing that I have learned um, as I've gone to the coast as many times as I can in my lifetime is that way too often we walk like this along the coast, right? The ocean's out here. And what's down here? Sand and seaweed. T-A-R. I was like, this not, that word was not computing with me. Tar. Seashells. Sea glass. Whales. That's awesome. Sand. Yep. So 
one thing that God keeps telling me when I walk to the ocean is that I can be looking at all these things, all these broken seashells, hoping for one nicer seashell. I can hope for one full sand dollar, or I can get my eyes up off of here and I can look at the ocean. Because I don't see God when I'm looking at all these little things. Whether they're the broken things, like the disappointments in our life, whether they're the beautiful rocks that you guys have down here, they're still very little things. And they're things that I can pick up and take. Maybe not legally, but they're things that we want to take, we want to hold onto, we want to possess. And I feel like every time I go to the ocean, God says, get your eyes off of there. Get your eyes out onto this ocean, which is just a tiny, tiny glimpse of me. That's what we're going to talk about today as we're looking at 1 Peter. It's going to be about getting our eyes off of these things and getting our eyes onto Jesus Christ. One of the questions that God has been asking me is, do you want to be made whole, Rose? He asked a guy in Jerusalem this, do you want to get well? I feel like God's saying, do you want to be made whole? Sometimes the answer to that, if we admit it, is no. Right? We want to stay looking at all of our little things, all our brokenness, all our disappointment, all the pain, and there's much of it. And we don't want to lift our eyes to Jesus because then we have to deal with all the brokenness and we have to look at it. And I know from the fact that today is September 11th, I know from the prayer requests that I've heard that we have pain and disappointments and sufferings and trials, right? But we're Christians. We're not supposed to have those, right? You follow Jesus Christ and he will make your life wonderful. You follow Jesus Christ and he will give you all these blessings. You follow Jesus Christ and your life will be successful. You'll get that job and you'll get that Tesla and you'll get this and you'll get this and you'll get this blessing, right? But how often do we slip into that? right? How often do we slip into that? If I'm a faithful Christian, if you're a faithful Christian, this is what you're going to get, right? If we are faithful Christians, we're going to face trials, right? I love that this is Peter who's writing this. Peter, who told Jesus what to do, what not to do, that he didn't have to die, right? Peter, whom Jesus said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So he says, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, feed my sheep. And at the end, he says, follow me. And he tells Peter, there's going to come a time when people are going to take you by the hand and they are going to lead you where you do not want to go. And it was talking about Peter's death, that Peter would also die on a cross. Peter would choose to die upside down because he wasn't worthy of dying the same way Jesus did. This is Peter who's talking to us today. He's not saying, oh, be happy, be joyful, be hopeful in all kinds of trials because they're going to go away. He didn't know that. He knew the exact opposite, 
that they weren't. There were already Christians being thrown in jail. There were already Christians being killed when Peter is writing this letter. Peter already knows where his human life is going to end. In the midst of this, do we want to focus on these things? Do we want to complain and... um, Or do we want to focus on Christ? Now, one huge, huge caution. I am not saying don't focus on these things, ignore them. So one of the speakers at the Justice Summit reminded us 60% of the Psalms are lament. I was like, wait, I got that wrong. I got it flipped. 40% is lament or 40% is Thank you. 40% is lament. It's a lot more than we think it is. And then 60% is praise. But we don't get to the praise by ignoring these things. We get to the praise by praising Christ in the midst of these things. Amen? All right. We are going to look at becoming more whole. We are going to look at becoming... Whoops. Oh, no. We're going to look at becoming more holy by following Christ. We are going to look at being more hopeful by staying in step with the Spirit and being hopeful. Yeah. There's a lot I could tell you, lots and lots I could tell you. At the Justice Summit, I was praying and praying, and I felt like God said, you need to be hopeful. I've seen a ton of pain in this world. Um, One of the joys of the ministry that I've gotten to do is that I get to see believers around the world. I get to see them rejoicing in the midst of horrible trials. And I was praying for something very, very specific during the Justice Conference, and I could feel myself, and I was like, at first, when I came to the Justice Conference, I was like, Lord, I don't think you're going to do that, because I think people are going to stand in your way, and I think injustice is just going to stand in that one specific thing. And as we went along, God said, you know what? I'm going to give you a vision that this could actually happen. There could actually be justice. And I started to see, oh, it could. Like, God might really do this. And people might actually come alongside him. It started to sink in that it could happen. My heart started to hope. And then I shrank back. And I stopped hoping. And God said, what is it going to hurt you to hope? What is it going to hurt you to hope? If you hope and you say, Jesus, I hope in you, I hope that you will work in this situation, whether it's our parents' health, whether it's the state of the world, no matter what it is, what what is it going to hurt if we start hoping? At the core, sometimes I think we are afraid that if we really hope in Jesus Christ and then he doesn't do what we want him to do, that's going to hurt our relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? 
if we pray and we pray and we pray for this thing and we know that God can do it and God doesn't do it, will we still trust in him? Being in California, I have been overwhelmed with memories. My brother-in-law lived in California. He was fighting um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. My mother was fighting cancer right about the same time. My mother um, had a spot on her back. We prayed. She went in. She was healed from it. It was miraculous. There's no other reason that the doctors or us could come up with. My brother-in-law was fighting cancer in remission. We praised God. I remember the day we got engaged, um, (laughs) my husband's dad was super excited for us, but he barely talked about it even with us because he wanted to say, Dan's in remission. The cancer is gone. The cancer is gone. And we all praised God. And then a year later, the cancer was back and Dan was given 90 days to live. We were in Michigan. He was here in California. And I remember walking home from work the next day. And I remember saying, Lord, you have to heal him. Like, you are righteous. You are just. You are loving. He has two daughters and a wife. You have to heal him. You healed my mom. You have to heal him. You're the same God yesterday, today, and forever, right? And I remember God, like, stopped me in my tracks. And I remember, like, this explosion in my chest. And he said, will you follow me regardless of whether I heal Dan or not? And I just wept. I was like cutting through a community college and I just stood there and I just wept. And I finally said, yes, step by step, I will follow you all the days of my life. That song still goes through my head. Step by step, I will follow you all the days of my life. Went home, prayed with my husbands. The next day, Dan was dead. Will you follow me all the days of my life? Will you follow me in the midst of these trials? Will we be hopeful in the midst of these trials? Let's jump into 1 Peter. Therefore... Whenever you see therefore in scripture, know that it's based on everything that came before. Pastor Colleen did a fantastic job of looking at all of the things that went before that Peter had been talking about. And specifically, um, oh, there's some specific quote and it's gone. Mm, Sorry, next service you'll have to come back. I will remember the quote that Pastor Colleen said. But it was very specifically about the trials and about Christ being with us. There is what we call the mystery of faith. And it has been said by um, Christians since before Paul was writing a bunch of his books. And that mystery of faith is that Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen? We don't follow a God that just came and did really good things, had really good philosophy, and said, hey, follow me, and you will be thin and happy and wealthy. We follow a God that so much loved the world 
that he came and he lived with us. He put up with us for 33 years. He taught his disciples so they could teach others like Paul, like Peter, like all of his apostles, like all of his disciples, all hundreds and hundreds of them. And then he died. That's the Jesus that we follow. He died so that he might rise and live again. We know that God is present, that he is active. He is active in the here, in the now. His kingdom is not yet here until he returns. That's why the mystery of our faith isn't just Jesus rose, Jesus died and Jesus rose. It's that Jesus died, he rose, and he will return. Amen? So how do we have hope in the now and the not yet? We, it says, therefore, oh, can you read that? Sorry, that's a little small. All right, it's 1 Peter 1, so grab out your Bibles if you can't see that. Therefore, with the minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on what? That is to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Peter talked a lot about that future inheritance that you would have. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be what? In what? For it is written, be holy because I am holy. It is, that is written? Where do you think that that is written? Somebody's looking at their footnotes. <laughs> Not only did you give your kidney, you're already on top of the scripture. <laughs> right, it's written in Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It is one of the first codifications of the law. We always think the law, especially in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, is all about do this, don't do this. You should do this, you shouldn't do this, right? In Leviticus, it says, be holy as I am holy. That's what the law boils down to. He gave them lots and lots of examples, but what it boils down to is to be holy like our God is holy. Now, God has revealed himself to us as the Father, as the Son, as the Holy Spirit. He's been active since the beginning of time, but he has been revealed as Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose and will return, and the Holy Spirit so if you want to be holy, it's not about do this, don't do this. It's not about you should do this, you shouldn't do that. It is not about drinking, dancing, smoking. It's about follow me, Jesus says. Follow Jesus Christ. I encourage you also to read the Gospels. Um, I encourage you, if you read the book of Luke twice before the end of September, all the way through, because the book of Luke is my favorite um, history of Jesus and who he was, who his character was. If you read that twice by the end of September, tell Pastor Colleen, she will email me. I will send a whole box of chocolate bars for whoever reads the book of Luke twice by the end of September. All right, what do you need to do to get a chocolate bar? Right, it seems kind of silly that I, I'm gonna send chocolate bars to all of you who do. I am quite happy to get you to know your savior. I am quite happy to bribe you to get you to know your savior, whatever it takes, because Jesus Christ is amazing. 
You were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Oh, sorry, I skipped a part. But you can't see it because it's too small. Sorry about that. All right. Since you call, wait, actually, I should go back one more. There we go. Be holy because he, God is holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, do we judge our work impartially? Some of us have beat up on ourselves a little too well. Some of us have a black belt in beating up on ourselves. Some of us judge ourselves a little too leniently and everybody else a little too hard, right? Let's back up and say, am I following Christ? Are they following Christ? Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. We don't live out our time here as powerful citizens trying to get things done in the United States. We don't even live out our time here as powerful Americans doing good around the world. We live our time out here as foreigners in reverent faith, which includes a lot of humility and also a lot of faith in Jesus Christ. We're not looking for gold or signs of success, not looking for an empty way of life. We are redeemed by Christ's blood, which means his sacrifice, his death, his suffering. It says he was chosen before the creation of the world, but he was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. So your hope and your faith are in God. We do not serve a generic God. So turn to your neighbor, turn to a neighbor and say, we do not serve a generic God. That's why I want you to read the book of Luke. I want you to read who is Jesus. He is the one who suffered and died for us. So if we are suffering as we are following Jesus Christ, you know what that's called? It's called success. As we follow Christ, as we are holy, as he is holy. And this is really small. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, how do you purify yourself? Wait, I thought it was not smoking. <laughs> we purify ourselves by obeying the truth. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So, after you obey the truth, what do you have for each other? Sincere love. For you have been... Oh, sorry. So, therefore, love one another deeply from the heart. Can you love one another deeply from the heart if you do not purify yourselves with truth? You cannot. You cannot. I know um, uh, I live with my husband and two boys, and there are sometimes we tell ourselves all kinds of stories about them, each other, right? We tell ourselves all kinds of stories about each other, but the truth is that we are all created in the image of God, and God loves us, and we are brothers and sisters, and our Father wants us to love one another deeply from the heart. Yes, He does. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. We're not born by our gold or our silver. We are born by Jesus Christ in us. 
the living and enduring word, the logos, Jesus Christ of God. This, I never liked this verse. For all people are grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the fields. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Right? That's why we didn't like September 11th. That's why we don't like it that our loved ones, are, their bodies are withering. We don't like that. But God states here, they're all like grass. Our glory is all fading. But the word of the Lord does what? Endures forever. As we are reborn with that imperishable seed, then we become part of that future inheritance with Jesus Christ. This is the word that was preached to you. So, this is what we're going to do. We are going to set our on the grace from Jesus Christ. We are going to be what? In all we do, which means to follow what? Right. right. It doesn't mean to follow laws. It means to follow the Christ who is trying to show us who he is through those laws. We are going to live out our time as foreigners here in what? Our faith and our hope are what? In ourselves, in our belongings, in our jobs, or in? In God, in Jesus Christ. And we are going to what ourselves? We can actually purify ourselves. For those of you who feel like, dude, I am stuck in sin. Take a walk out to that ocean, look up there, and try to communicate with God. He can purify us by obeying the truth so that you have what? Sincere? For who? And then what are we going to do? So in the midst of the pain and the suffering, we can be whole and holy and hopeful. Now, not yet in the fullness, but now, we can be more and more whole, more and more holy, more and more hopeful. It won't be totally complete until we receive our future inheritance with Christ when we are with him for all eternity. But even now, we can be more whole, more holy, more hopeful. The worship team is going to come on up. We are going to worship. And um, if you want to come up, if you want to pray to be more whole, more holy, more hopeful, I'll pray with you now. I can pray with you now during this song um, and then after the benediction, correct? There's people praying. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, make us more whole. Make us more holy like you. Make us more hopeful in you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.